asking about the guys coming up. Asking about guys. Welcome, everyone, to another We're episode of the show in a fight review. Yeah, no, no, I mean, it's good. It's that's how we always warmed up at the ESPN club. Oh, we yeah, I had to get to do, in some sort of fight. I did you three progressive trivias in a row. It's unfair to me. Good lord, you're scheduling my show. Good lord, you sent me uh, thing again, last I'm, not, night. I'm not really scheduling, I'm just saying, hey, do you what do you think about having Dodger fans be on when the Dodgers won the you, pennant? You present things as a fait accompli to me, you know, you do. Uh, By the way, really you didn't tell me Derek what, was going to be on till you I say, what do you think? You book the show, you're maybe you're the, if you get involved a little bit in that element of the show, then you won't feel so dismissed. Somebody's got to bring the entertainment, that's all I'm saying. Somebody's gonna look, I left my hair normal. You guys give me a hard time about the ponytail. Like well, this is what it looks like getting out of the shower. No, it's so, good stuff. Tell Seriously. No, seriously. No, that's that's the thing. You know, all my friends in high school, they, you know, the girls always wanted to, you know, them and they always wanted to hug me. So well, I, I assure you, well. we were just talking about my high school picture. Now I don't look the same. I assure you, none of the girls in high school wanted anything to do with me. Trust me. When you were on the football team, though, that changed things a bit, right? Uh, you by were, my senior you were a jock. By my senior year, it did. It didn't. It didn't help me prior to that because I was just such a massive loser. All right. Well, we're gonna we're, we're we're being joined by Dodger fans today, which I'm very excited about. I don't see uh I don't see Chief of the Fire in here yet, unfortunately. But he, I also told him uh eleven ten West Coast time, so right. we will get to that. But uh, amazing series, unbelievable. Uh, I will have to say this, guys, that what won it for the Dodgers is nothing we've really ever talked about with the Dodgers. It, it's their defense. Justin yeah. Turner and what he did with that second and third, nobody out, not only rifling that to the catcher and getting this guy in a rundown that he could not get out of. Uh, I they, think it was Dan Swanson. To, yeah, bad, bad base running by Swanson as well, though. Go, running on contact, I agree. That but, led to but it. Turner has to make a great play to take advantage of that mistake. Absolutely. And yeah. not only does he dive to get him, because Swanson had, had it going pretty well and, and you know, if uh, if Turner hadn't you know hadn't tagged him there, he would have been flat on his belly and would have been tough. Yeah. But he was able to be flat on his belly, get on his knees, turn around, and fire it back to third base. Great play. Highly athletic moves by this guy. He's he's an well, underrated. He's a, prof- athlete. he's a professional athlete, you know. He is a professional uh, athlete. But he's he under. But but third realize base. Realize that. But and he's not he, like a left-handed pitcher, where but, you can literally have William Conrad today's body and still. And, and, <laughs> And he's been dead for well, decades. He's lost a lot of weight, I think, in the subsequent Might years. Be so a little leaner uh, than he was back in the yes, Cannon days. <laughs> exactly. So I think the thing is, the thing about that is that he's a, uh, I think, underrated ath- athleticism. I think at that point in time, and he's so clutch. And then, of course, Mookie Betts is catch of yeah. uh, Freddie Freeman. And I mentioned, you know, my disdain Defense for won it for the Dodgers. My disdain for. Um, the uh, the the Dodgers that I that I talked about the other day was due to the fact that a, a mutual friend of ours who we really do like and I'm just giving him a hard time because he's a Cowboy fan and a Dodger fan and he grew up in Immokalee, Florida, so he deserves our disdain. He deserves the world's disdain, as a matter of fact. But uh, he uh, he posted. I didn't watch any of the baseball game yesterday. I didn't see a minute of it, and it's simply because. When I finally uh, realized that it was on, because again, 
Red I zone, know. but you know, it's tough. And I knew I was going to come in probably a couple innings in because I was, I was really interested in the You football. were just so fascinated by Rams 49ers, right? That was the I, reason. I, I actually was fascinated by Rams 49ers. That surprised me. Both you and I, that was your, your lock, wasn't it? And my it was. lock was New England. We screwed up on our locks. But, um, I, I, when I finally looked down, it was two nothing Braves. And of course, I'm a superstitious fan. Uh, and I, uh, I am not going to be nice to Ali, Jack, and, I'll, and I and I explained why before. Uh, but uh, I I looked down and I saw there's two nothing, and I have this enormous fear, particularly with baseball, that if my team, the team I want to win, is ahead, if I tune in and they lose, it was my fault. I'm that guy, and Mark, you know that feeling. You have that feeling as well at times. Always. So I refuse to watch it. But at some point across my Facebook feed gets Mookie in all caps. And I look down and there hasn't been any scoring. So now I'm just angry. Now I'm just terribly angry because I'm like, what is it? And then I saw the play that Mookie made and I went, okay, well, that one's, that's valid as well. Great defensive plays are always valid that save runs and cheering to either tie the score or go ahead. It's just the cheering to cut the deficit to four that I just. Right. No, no, no. You had a problem with that. And it was just one person. And uh, one of our fans already knows who it is, yeah. which is hilarious, because yeah. we are we are actually on Facebook Live, John. StreamYard and Facebook Live what? Ha- have coordinated. And on our After Further Review page, we are on fa- we are broadcasting to that page right well, now. Well, I'd, I'd have did my hair if I would have known. <laughs> <laughs> but I get so, such a hard time when I slick my hair back from you and... Jeff, just I, give I me a hard time. I don't hair being it. slicked back. It's just it, it felt like it was in a ponytail or in a bun or something. And it well, was it like, wasn't a little bit of just to keep it I out like of my the, eyes. Look at it. I know, but I this, know, but the bangs, the bangs work for me, John. This, this is you have this is like a, Nixon administration. This is like a pretty girl complaining that guys are whistling at her. He's like, you guys are always talking about my hair. You're always no, talking about you're not your hair is awesome. About my, you're just saying, you know, if, and I pull it back to get it out of my eyes. And so I finally wear it like this. Little do I know this is being broadcast on big screens throughout healthcare companies across the country for all. I don't, I don't even know what's happening where it's what, good. It's a good look, John. You should, you should embrace the look that all these extra new people are seeing right now. Uh, speaking of the Nixon administration, you need to see the trial of the Chicago seven. If you haven't already, it is a Capra esque. I'll send you uh, I'll send you is cap is, is, is today's Frank, Frank Capra. If yes. Yes. And for good and bad. I mean, I think for the over sentimentality thing at times as well, that can be a little precious, but it really works for this. I understand that to be the case. It's funny. I did a play uh, in college, The Life and Times of Abby Hoffman, and I played at 25. I played Judge Julius Hoffman, who I believe was 80 at the time. Um, But I recently made contact. I'm recently made uh, contact with the playwright of that. I hadn't heard from him in a long time. He used to be the mayor of Gainesville, a guy named Gary Gordon, who you would absolutely love, Mark, just a terrific dude. And he posted some pictures from our production of, uh, of because he had seen it as well, and he enjoyed it, though he did argue that his play was better, uh, tongue-in-cheekly argued that his play was actually a better re- rendering. But, uh, yes, I've heard good things about it. I'm looking forward to seeing it. And, and I would say that sentimentality in this in this particular case because you know the best of capra you know it's coming mm-hmm. you almost want it though by the time yeah. of the end and and if they execute it perfectly which capra did in his in his best work and and so yeah. does sorkin it happens in this one it's it's uh i highly yeah, recommend that, it on many levels yeah and i don't want to i love sorkin but there are times where i could see people who maybe aren't as predisposed to love that sort of thing as 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 i, I am being, being somewhat verbose 
And, and you're being, sentimental as well. And I'm sentimental and, and incredibly patriotic, despite what every right winger will say because of my politics, um, that I could see where people sometimes could could uh, could could find it a little bit uh a little bit Pollyanna-ish, a little fairy tale-ish, but that's okay. Anyway, that said, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Though we're binging Fargo right now, so that's all that's right. So we're gonna we're gonna skip Progressive, I think, right now. Is that what we're doing, Jeff? Yeah, we're getting no, screened. I have, at I have it. it. I have it. All right, let's quickly do that. I just didn't see it in the in the queue. Uh, let's do that real quick, and then we'll bring in our Dodger fans to celebrate the Dodgers. The name of this episode, all you Dodger fans, and I hope you appreciate. The irony and the love in this is is it's called the Dodgers win the pennant. The Dodgers win the pennant. <laughs> the Dodgers win the pennant. The Dodgers win the pennant. And boy, wouldn't I like to beat some Giants fan to within an inch of his death to celebrate. All right, here we go. Led the this, led the league in receptions. Four-time Pro Bowler, four-plus, I should say. Played for six head coaches, 10-plus play, playoff catches in a single game. Okay, so it's an NFL wide receiver we're looking for. And let's now bring in our cast of thousands from the L.A. Basin. Tom Marino, Chief of the Fire, Brian Ascari. Ascari. I don't know why I'm now. Wow. Uh, yeah, I've, I've gone with the crowd. And Russ Ayers. Nice. Russ Ayers My joins goodness. us as well. Dodger fans who must be on cloud nine right now there we go look at these guys look at these guys uh let's start with you tommy i said this at the top of the show that the reason the dodgers are the nf nl champs right now i would say is because of defense that justin turner play yes dansby made a bad base running area and so did uh riley on second base yeah austin riley particularly that was the one that hurt the most in my mind i would have thought what swanson did was understandable what riley did to me wasn't that's but it. you know what? I think what what yeah. I mean, Major League Baseball players are going to make great plays, and that's the, the, the stars become heroes. You know, during, during the playoffs. Um, but I, I think more importantly, too, not only does it get outs needed outs, but it really shifts the momentum. I think too. I think when you can cut off any kind of rally, like Mookie did at the wall, and and Turner. And by the way, he made that throw with his hat like that. I don't know if you saw the replay. But he, when he made the tag, his hat went down. I mean, turn around and throw that. I mean, I know guys are, are talking and saying three, 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 but he didn't hesitate one bit. And uh, he, he was on it. He was on his belly, having tagged him, and yeah. got up on his knees and turned around and gunned it to third. Mm-hmm. And and it was it was they already had a one run lead, and it was yeah. on second and third, and nobody out. They were threatening to blow the game open, yeah. and you just shut it down. It was unbelievable, Brian. I know you are very, very happy right now. You're incredibly happy. You've been texting me all weekend. And uh, and, and I want to address, you know, the, the elephant in the room right now. You're with John Pelkey. In, in your mind, he was going after all Dodger fans. Yeah, good point. And so uh, I, tr- I tried to assuage the situation as best I could. Uh, but I guess none of that matters right now, right? Right, Brian. Yeah, well, I just, well, first off, I just want to say hello, Mark. Thank you for having me on. And Jeff, it's great to see you. Hi, John. <laughs> but you're a happy guy right now. The only one on this show that knew who RA Senator was. Just remember that, Brian. I will remember that. And actually, all's forgiven, especially seeing how the Dodgers came back from 3 1. Also, full disclosure. 
Mark, if uh, Tom and I talked about this earlier, if we, if he and I had a podcast and the Giants had won the pennant, we, we would not have you on as a guest. <laughs> but, but I think it's very big of you to uh, to have us all on. <laughs> you know, it's it's the Dodgers. You got to love the Dodgers, right? My Dodgers, Russ Ayers. Uh, you've got to you've got to love the Dodgers. You've got to love their history, and on some level. They they feel they felt like an underdog, you know. They 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 ran over all opposition this year. They they didn't lose a game in the first two series, and they felt like the underdog that um yeah. you know that America was rooting for somehow. Yeah, yeah. No, I it's I mean, whether you love the Dodgers or you hate them, you must you have to admit it was a great game yesterday. It oh was, yeah, you know, it's, it's a classic. Your you're just, just... I watched the whole thing on my phone. I refused to turn it on because I knew <laughs> if I did, it was good. Hey, if I did, you guys would have won the thing like thirty-two to three. <laughs> I just couldn't do it. I knew what was coming. I never for a moment watching it. And Mark, Mark, and I have watched games on Gamecast on the computer while yeah. there was a nine hundred foot big screen to a room away, <laughs> and we stayed on that. But it, you just the the tension with it that I just kept feeling because. I knew either of these teams can score in bunches uh, when when that when you know when that floodgate opens, and I was really expe- I'm surprised it ended up four to three. Frankly, I thought it was going to be. I thought the Dodgers were going to throw ten more runs onto the thing, yeah. but it, it was it's it was a classic. There's absolutely no doubt about it. And classic plays uh, as well. Uh, yeah, it was a great call letting Urias go the last inning. By the way, I yeah. was nervous. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Was- is Robert's, Robert's out of the doghouse, Tom Marino? Uh, you know what? That that leaving him in last night, it, it really rekindled my faith. It really did, believe it or not. It's funny that you say that, but man, I was like, man, that was that was thank you, was what the yeah. call was. All right, now yeah. I need to ask a question. And this is the, you talk about the elephant in the room. This is the elephant in the room when it comes to the Dodgers. Nice job in the National League Championship Series. If you lose to Tampa in the World Series. Is it still? De- and I'm not saying it to be yeah. funny. I'm just no, saying no, it is. It's you still, know, the, the story still remains the, the same. The story yeah. still remains. If they don't win the series, is it disappoint? Is it a disappointment? A disappointing year? Another yet another disappointing year. Brian, sure. yes, I, I I would say it is. And I again, as it has been in the playoffs, I I think all the pressures on the Dodgers. The expectation has been for them to be the World Series champions. Not only this year, but in, in in these years past here, where they've blown the opportunity and they've been the odds-on favorite, so to speak, by in, in many people's view, for them to lose at this point, uh, yeah, it would it would definitely be a disappointment. And 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 I think uh, especially when you have uh, a Tampa. Uh, ball club that is uh, kind of freewheeling, and uh, I think they kind of have, uh, hey, we've got nothing to lose type of uh, attitude, along with, by the way, a lot of talent. Um, I think it's going to be very, very interesting. I think the other thing that's interesting about Tampa, and I had no idea until I read the statistic today, over the last 12 years since they were last in the World Series in 2008, they have the fifth best record in baseball. How about that? Yeah, they, they have like eight seasons over 500 in that interim. Uh, uh, Russ Ayers. Russ Ayers, is there any room for love for the Dodgers if they were to lose? If Is there any room for the, oh, my goodness, isn't this nice? 
What a great story. It's too bad they fell a little short. Or is there just no room left in the Dodgers fans' hearts? It's, well, it's, it's, uh, we'll always root for the Dodgers, right? But it's going to be painful. I mean, they were so good in the regular season for them to, to lose in the World Series again. That would be, that'd be a tough pill to swallow. So, so Tommy, what happens if that's the case? Because what I've been most impressed about with Dave Roberts is his, willingness to just stick with Clayton Kershaw. And I don't mean in games and and then you lose the games. I mean in press conferences where he says, this narrative, this is a false narrative. I think he really loves Clayton Kershaw on on many, many levels. Who knows how many? California. Just kidding. (laughs) Unfortunately, the proof is in the pudding and the stat that you pulled out of your, you know what, last week about – in all of baseball, since baseball in began, the, the whole invention of it, he's got the worst ERA past five innings, and it's just like, I mean, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't. The proof is in the pudding. We're there, so I, I would. Uh, uh, I will time. say that that John left probably not because he's so upset with Dodger fans, but because we're having a major thunderstorm in Central Florida, and he probably lost all power and all ability to connect to the world. I got a question for, for you guys, and this is it's been bothering me. You know, I, I played in high school, and I've coached high school varsity baseball. Fundamental, going back to base running, fundamental number one, man on third, less than two outs. In fact, there was no outs twice. What? Oh, that's nice. Man on third, no outs. Look at him. Running on contact. I see this through at the major leagues day after day, and I don't understand it. Can somebody explain to me why they're going on contact? Fundamental number one, you got three batters to get you home. You're going to just go on contact. The infield was in last night. No, it was back. It no, was I'm back. Ta- not, on, not on that one. I'm talking about the Dodger. Uh, who, who got – I was out by a mile. Muncie was out by a mile at the plate. Okay, yeah. Uh, ground ball and get the, skipped off the mound right to the second baseman who was playing in. He was yeah. out by, by 10 feet. Yeah. I don't get it, Mark. It's interesting. I will say this for Dave Roberts. He had the infield back, even I'm down the line. I'm no, talking I'm about the Braves. Yeah. I've seen it for five years. I'm What's talking that? about the Braves. I've seen this for five years. Every time no, I, I, under, I understand that. I'm just a little tiny little sidebar, just giving Roberts a little even more credit for having the infield back on that particular play as opposed to in with two out, with no outs right. and a man in third. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I don't know what that is. I mean, I've read a bunch of stuff, and they say, yeah, it's it's one of those decisions you make in the in the moment. And I don't I don't know why it isn't just a fundamental thing. No, this it is, is not a fundamental thing. thing. For a hundred years, it's been a fundamental thing. Yeah, I don't know. And I don't get it now. That and and not trying to punt against the shift. It just, I mean, you know. You know take- I I think I think I can answer this question for you. Okay. I think that analytics gets used so much now that they're coaching differently than they have for the past 100 years. Mm-hmm. They've looked at the statistics and they've seen. All right, how many times does a guy line out to the second baseman and get thrown out at first versus? How many times does that get through? And so one side sees the statistics and says he needs to hold before it gets through the infield. And I guess that's what would have happened with, was it with Muncie? Not to yeah. mention Muncie. Muncie's a guy that's there for one reason and I one reason that. only. He ain't there to run bases. He's there. He should have never been on first to begin with. He should have been around right. the bases or struck out. Yeah. But I just, anyway, I just, 
I, I'd, I like to, I'd like to like everyone to be introduced to the newest member of After Further Review <laughs> on uh, Russ Ayers' lap. Go ahead. Oh, I thought Pelkey got a haircut. I'm sorry. <laughs> Hi. Well, yeah. Hi, I'm Nico. What's up, Nico? Hello, Nico. And are are you? Let me let me try. And, are you like ten or eleven right now? Eleven. Very nice. Good looking kid. You a big you Dodger fan? About the game last night. You are you a big Dodger fan, Nico? Yeah. Uh, would you have been really sad if they would have lost? Yes, it was only a sixty game season. Why? <laughs> so you're happy they're going to win. What's going to happen in the World Series now? against the Rays, um, realistically. Like, give me a realistic opinion from someone who maybe isn't a total fan. Like, what do you think is going to happen? Um, They may win because now they have Mookie Betts, but they haven't won the World Series in a while. That's right. That's true. Your, your dad was in his 20s. Think of that. Your dad. Hey, Nico. Was in, I was in junior high, Mark. What do you mean? <laughs> Nico, Nico, do you know what a clam is, Nico? A what? A, uh, oh, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Poor Clayton Kershaw. Wow. Hey, Nico, uh, you know what? It, you're right about Mookie Betts. That's very insightful because Dave Roberts has been quoted as saying the reason you lost to the Red Sox in 2018 was because of Mookie Betts, and now you have him. And mm-hmm. even when he doesn't hit like an alt, like an MVP, 380 and eight home runs in a series, he will win you games and and keep you in games because of that glove. So yeah, you've got you've got the player that was the reason you lost in 18. So I'm going to make the prediction that the Dodgers, which I have all season. Oh, by the way, including when the Do- Dodgers were down three to one that they're going to win it all. And Tampa's going to give it, you know, a nice shot. They're the scrappy little team that, you know, pays their players $38. Uh, but Dodgers Dodgers have the resources and the talent to find all the best players and then land them. Mm-hmm. That's just how it is. They're, they're just a great organization. Any, so, any, anyone so have anything how to many games that? will it take? Uh, I'm ready for your prediction. Um, I thought it was going to be six with Atlanta. I think it'll be six as well with with Tampa, and may, and maybe six or less. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised with the sweep, frankly. What about what about you, Chief of the Fire? Uh, I agree with Mark, but uh, I'm definitely not counting Tampa out. And I want to also point something out and, and see if the other Dodger fans agree with this. If we were playing Houston or the Yankees, I would have a lot more angst, Mm. not just about the winning thing, but just about I don't want to lose to those guys. Whereas to me, the Tampa story, yeah, I'm going to be upset if Tampa upsets the the Dodgers, but I'm actually probably going to be kind of happy for that organization. They they it's kind of a it's a nice story. So I'm I'm a little more relaxed about this World Series, not because not from because I'm overconfident. It's just I, I can't hate the other team. I don't know if yeah. I don't know if Tom or Russ if you guys feel no, that way. Somebody asked me if I wanted Houston to win so they could play the Dodgers the World Series. And I said, No, that's too risky. <laughs> I mean, I, let's knock them out of their knees now and take them out because anything can happen, as we know yeah. in a series. And that would just crush me. It would, it would almost be, you know, as if somebody else 
became president again. I mean, it, <laughs> um, yeah, because no, the hell with Millard Fillmore. If Millard Fillmore becomes president again, we are screwed. <laughs> Ralph Nader running again? I don't know. Um, no, I agree with you, Brian. It would be a nice story for American League uh, for the for the Rays. It really would. So you agree with four two as well, Russ, Nico? What do you think? Dodgers and six. Let's go with that. Let's go All with right. that. Do you have to go back to class? No, I have ten more minutes. Ten more minutes. Distance learning. Minutes. Uh, podcast advantages. By the way, can I ask a question? And maybe you guys don't know the origin of this. Did you guys learn clam from Mark? What a clam is? Okay. Does Mark Mark do you remember where you learned it from? Dude, I, I give you full credit. I give you full uh, credit. Yeah. It's a musical term that you taught me when someone okay. doesn't it's play the trumpet properly. Yeah, when you hit a when you hit a clinker, it's a clam, man. How many clams are you gonna make? It's and Buddy clam. Rich has a great rant. By the way, anybody any fans of somebody holding a, a tape recorder on a bus when Buddy Rich is cussing out his band. Oh, it's, it's it's one of the greatest things I've ever heard. Yeah. I knew that Buddy Rich was literally the most difficult human being ever sired by humans on yeah. earth ever at yeah. any point. Yeah. Um, but this this just yeah. takes it to another level. It's one of the great things I've ever heard. It's it that and Casey Kasem uh when he melts down uh, look that one up too. They're just hysterical. So that's where Clam, I mean, that's great. We even had a softball team, the Clams, because we were we so did. bad. We did. <laughs> Nico, Nico, don't look anything, any of those up. Don't look either yeah. of those up. Not at least for another seven years. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Nice job, Jeff. All right. Thank you to Tom Marino, Brian Scary, Russ Ayers, and and Nico Ayers as well. Dodger. You didn't. Fans, you didn't. Correct? You didn't want to get my prediction for the series. <laughs> I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Raising three. <laughs> I want it to be as good I'm as my locks and chocks. COVID's going to take over both teams. COVID's going to take over, and it's going to be a it's going to end up being a home run derby. Randy Rosarena and Corey Seager in a home run derby. They're the only two guys left with a pitching machine pitching to. Them. By the way, did Corey Seager hit the superstar status this this series? Well, he got MVP, and uh, he certainly. Proved his worth, and uh, even covering third on that play, on the play we're talking about, even going to third and yes. being there yes. for that. I, I don't know about superstar because there's because in my opinion the Dodgers are chock full of yeah. stars. Yeah, but you know what I mean. I mean, did he reach a different status after this? This I think so. I mean, I, I think I think absolutely he goes into a different different level, goes up a notch or two or three. Good old Corey Seager, ironically. It's where we end our conversation with Seeger. Tom, Brian, Ross, Nico, thank you very much, you guys. Thanks, Appreciate guys. That. Thank you. After further review. And bringing in that right now, Derek Abbott, who has patiently waited uh, for at least 15 more minutes than I told him to wait uh, wow. to talk some NFL football. And thank you, right, Derek, Derek, for joining us. Fan, I want to ask you because. Derek's a baseball Derek is fan. A baseball you understand fan. that was pretty. That was pretty. I don't like the Dodgers that much, though I don't really have anything against them. That's pretty amazing coming back three to one the way they did. But I, I'm telling you, Rays are playing with house money. It's all. I'm just going to leave it there. No, that, the Rays. That's and a very it's good a, point. And it's a Tampa Bay sort of year. Lightning, and then of course yesterday, if we found out anything, it's that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers may be the greatest team in the history of the NFL. I just 
Pay attention well, today. That's I, I, I think in terms of overreaction Monday, John, you're absolutely yeah. right. I think um, everyone had written off the Bucks. You know, I don't know. Let's see. 20, where are we? Yeah, 25 hours ago, they had written off the Bucks. They yep, had they were done. 25 hours ago, had said the Green Bay Packers. Head shoulders above everybody in the NFC. Best team the in best, the NFC, clearly. We're the best team maybe in the NFL. And, uh, you know, one pick six later, and the wheels fall off. Derek, you're here to talk about the Packers uh, and the Titans, the other uh, uh, surprising team. And the Packers really were coming into this game very surprising as well. But but what happened? I mean, is it one pick six that just loses everyone's confidence and just wheels? It, it, they were up 10 nothing. They were they were sort of on a roll. What happened? Well, first of all, thank you guys again for uh, for having me on. Second, going to baseball in my 26 years, I've only cared about baseball for two of them because I'm a Pirates fan. They had <laughs> one glimmer of hope, but um, they do have this. They are the Major League Baseball's uh, farm system. Um, they are so they have going for them. In terms of the game, um, so I, obviously those tur- those two turnovers um, really shifted the tide in that game. And hats off to, to Todd Bowles and kind of the stuff that he was doing, really staying ahead. So, you know, in the Matt LaFleur offense, the goal is to kind of stay one step ahead of the defense with, with some of the play action stuff and the boots and, and kind of what you're seeing throughout the league, especially with like Cleveland and the Rams. Well, Todd Bowles kind of jumped it and said, okay, forget you're not getting in front of us. We're going to dictate to you what you what we want you to do. So we're going to blitz on early in the down. We're going to run different stunts and twists to try and get your offensive lineman to, to not maybe communicate as well, get you back further in the down. Um, you know, Levante David and, and uh, Devin White are probably the best linebacking duo in, in the National Football League right now. They're, they're just playing at a, at a hyper speed. Um, so they're, they're extremely uh, impressive. And, like, really one of the bigger things that – um, that stuck out to me, at least for watching it, was when they were running some of their man stuff with Tampa, when they're sending people. I don't think that Rodgers was able to get a clear picture as to who was coming and who wasn't. So there's times where he wants to just dump it off into the flat on a third and short, and he can't do it because somebody now drops into that zone. And a lot of that is scheme. A lot of that is just smart football playing by by some of the Bucks. There was a couple different um, examples in that game with that. Well, um, if, if, if you know, Mark, because that leads to something that I wanted to say, because I, I completely agree. And when he did dump it off, the reactiveness of those linebackers sideline to sidelines to 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 take the his safety valve out of the, the game. They weren't picking up anything on those was remarkable. But I want to ask this because this came across earlier. I was watching Colin, Colin Coward's show and they talked about the fact that in his career at any point in time where Aaron Rodgers is behind in a game. His winning percentage is 477. He is under 50% coming from at any point in a game. Field goal to start the game. He's 477. <laughs> what I want to ask you as a former quarterback, a college quarterback, a coach, a knowledgeable guy with football, do you see did you see anything yesterday with Aaron Rodgers that showed you that he has any sort of breakdown fundamentally because we hear that a lot, particularly about younger guys when you put pressure on them the fundamentals breakdown. But uh, in, in just what I was watching and the little that I know, I don't really see that as the change. Um, is there anything you're seeing, Derek, from Rodgers himself that lends you to believe that outside of them disguising their blitzes incredibly well, which they did, that, that in some way he's 
reacting poorly to the pressure outside of recognizing what's coming? Well, no, I think that his style of play has changed in the last maybe year or so. You know, I think last year there was a little bit of reluctance to buy into the Matt LaFleur system because Aaron Rodgers naturally is a out-of-structure player. That's where he does all of his magic where you get all those highlights. Well, Matt LaFleur's system does not necessarily call for him to play out of structure. Um, so you can kind of see maybe a tug here and there. But this year, I mean, overall, he's been playing within structure, on time with a lot of his throws. Fundamentally, he's been the same player for throughout his entire career. He still throws the same way. You can even see kind of a little bit of the Brett Favre mechanics where both of his feet leave the ground when he throws, something that he picked up from from Brett. But, I mean, I think it's – of course, you know, it's overreaction Monday, so everybody wants to, you know, throw, throw Green Bay out and say, you know, the Tampa Bay Bucks are going to be, you know, the new, next new dynasty. Um, but I don't – I wouldn't go as far as saying anything like that. I mean, I, Green Bay is still going to be a pretty good team, and, and they should probably win that division. I mean, I think they were overrated coming in because people were thinking that they were one of the best teams in the NFL – they were thinking that Aaron Aaron Rodgers was along with Russell Wilson. I mean, literally 25 hours ago, they, Aaron Rodgers was having the kind of year Russell Wilson is having, and they were neck and neck. And he and, and any of our issues about him were in the past, and the issues were with Tom Brady, not with Aaron Rodgers. And now, you know, a game later, they're with Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. and not with Tom Brady. And uh, I don't know. I just think sometimes you have those kind of games where you just get – you just get boat raced, and if the defense can can get in your face, I mean, I th- it, or it, as again as a former quarterback, Derek, if regardless of how they do it, they they blitzed seventeen different times, is what I heard. Seventeen, regardless of how it happens, if you are feeling that pressure, you're yeah. you're not going to have as good a performance as a quarterback, right? And it goes back. Uh, I don't care how good you are. Everybody made that big that big uh, issue about Sam Darnold when they had him mic'd up and he said, I'm seeing ghosts. Um, a lot of that happens when you're getting pressure and you're not 100% sure where it's from. You can't pick up a tendency. Throughout a game, you can usually pick up and see it on you know the printouts or, or the tablets or whatever. You can kind of get a sense of, okay, now I know because I saw this earlier in the game. They're going to bring pressure from the boundary when we get into this set. So you kind of get a feel for it. Well, in this this previous game, they really didn't get into that rhythm of trying to figure out what Tampa was trying to accomplish. What I, what I alluded to earlier was when they would would send pressure and they would drop people. What, what they had, what they call, what defense is called, green dog blitz, meaning that the you're going to play cover zero or some sort of man principle on the back end, and the linebacker is then one on one with the running back. If the running back stays in pass protection the linebacker will blitz since he has no one to cover. So it's a green dog blitz. So once he sees and now if he goes out into a route, that's the linebacker's responsibility. Well, what happened yesterday was the linebacker, I don't know, I think it might have been David, saw that it was a third and short situation. The linebacker saw that the running back had stayed in, but now that it's a third and short situation, he knows that they're sending pressure. Instead of trying to just blitz and try to get there with Rodgers, he knows that the ball has to get out soon. So instead, he just dropped into the flat and ended up disrupting the pass, I believe it was. So it was like little things like that throughout a game that, I mean, they use It's like, oh, my gosh, like, I just do what you did on tape for the last seven days. Like, well, where is this coming from? What are you doing? So it, it can be extremely frustrating at times. 
Also, I want to ask about the pick six uh, because I've watched several people break it down now. And uh, I believe, was it Devonta Freeman, who the wide receiver was on that play? But he didn't work back through the ball on that and really did allow the DB to just kind of sit on that throw. Um, mm-hmm. I always think interceptions, you know, it always looks bad on a quarterback, but, you know, it takes two to tango. And a lot of times as a wide receiver, when you saw the, the pick six on that, was that all Aaron? Or do you think that that was just because uh, there is and as a former terrible high school wide receiver, I will tell you, there is a tendency a lot of times to, to lose that when the ball is coming to you, not realizing that working back to it is your best choice. Uh, did, does any of that go uh, to, to uh, any of the lack of success yesterday, under 50% completions, go to Rodgers' wide receivers as well? Should we maybe give him a little bit of a break there? Well, yeah. Well, of course, I'm going to be biased. I was a quarterback. So, of course, right. I'm going to say it's not all on the quarterback. You, that's not a question for me. <laughs> that's, that's a question for Try to be objective, Derek. Try to yeah. be slightly objective yeah. about it. But, but there's always routes like that. I mean, just like, you know, on some out routes that you might see that are behind a guy. Like, well, he threw that behind him. Well, maybe he cut the route off too early or too late, and that's what caused the ball to be bad. So in in a concept where, you know, it's a curl or a, a route such as that, and you want to work back to the ball so the defender has to get through you to get to the ball, those are some, like, little just nuances that maybe the average fan wouldn't pick up on. But everybody's so willing to throw, oh, that's a terrible throw. Well, do you really know what they're trying to do? Well, and, and this is the thing I come back to, is that last week he was the best quarterback, and now we're breaking down his structural problems. Last week, Brady had seen his better days, and this week it's like, well, man, that's, that guy's a gamer. That guy is a gamer. Last week, Jimmy Garoppolo was like, well, man, bust, huh? Didn't you, wouldn't you rather have picked you know, someone else? And then you know, last night he outduels Jared Goff. In a, in a major way, it's it's week to week. That's what make actually that's what makes football so fun is that we get to forget about everything and create our own weekly narratives. And, every, and I'll give every week. It's perfect for America. I don't want to give the quarterback. I want to give the quarterback Derek credit because you did focus on the thing that I think a lot of people kind of forgotten about. Tampa Bay has a very good defense, and a lot of people talked about the fact that Brady coming in, all the shiny things that that team would be carried if they are indeed carried to a division championship or even further. The defense is going to carry them, and I think what we saw yesterday was a defense that really was firing on all cylinders after they made adjustments after the 10-0 lead. Yep, five sacks, 13 knockdowns. I mean, that's what you want. And this is a defense that was playing very well last year at the end that nobody talked about because they weren't in contention for anything. So it's like, oh, yeah, they have a good defense, but they're the Bucks. <laughs> but now you have a great defense that is that is playing up to the level with two guys in the interior that can really cause some issues. I mean, they are flying around the football. Yeah, And you have those kind of linebackers as well that you're talking about. It makes uh, life very, very difficult. Could be a lot of fun to see how the Bucks. Uh, traverse this year. Let's talk about the Titans, a team I have dismissed everyone. The entire time I've dismissed Ryan Tannehill. I dismiss all of them. And they, all they do is find a way to win. It doesn't matter how they find a way to win, but they find a way to win. Texans yesterday, yesterday you know, Texans look like they're kind of feeling their oats again, finally. You know, uh, once they lost their coach, Atlanta, same thing when they fired their coach. NFL feels like the NHL right now. Fire your coach <laughs> yeah, at any time, <laughs> and you're you're going to go on a run. But um, what is the Titans' success? I mean, does it all does it does it start and end with Vrabel? Well, it, 
just speaking offensively here, well, first of all, I love Mike Rabel and everything that he's about. And he, everybody thinks of him as the, the meathead because, you know, he talked about cutting off his own genitalia and, <laughs> and everything else. But if you watch some of the things that he does, like even in the clock management on the sending the guy in late, which is something that we can get to in a second, that was pretty pretty clever that he's done before. But at least offensively, you know, their, their offense is obviously going to be built around Derrick Henry. Um, they really remind me of like a mid 2000s run the ball down your throat. We don't care what you think. This is who we are. They have an identity. And I mean, I love it. They play smash mouth football. They're going to run their version of outside zone. They also run what we call a split zone where you have a tight end to one side. You're going to run the zone and then you're going to take the tight end. He's going to sw- swipe, whatever you want to call it, swipe, split, go back and block the backside end and kick him out, it also creates a natural cutback. So now your defense is trying to arm tackle Derrick Henry. Well, you saw what happened on a 94-yard touchdown. Now, that play was actually called duo, which um, is a variation of like an inside zone type play. Um, But everything that they do, they have an identity, especially even in their passing concepts. When I was watching them last year throughout the playoffs, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, they had like eight passing concepts. But they were all built off of each other. So one of their major concepts is, play action pass, you have a high post, and then a dig route coming from the backside. So all you're doing is just high-loading the safety. Well, after they'll run it seven, eight times a game. Off the play action, they'll put a, add a motion to it. It's the same play, you're just getting it a different way, and it's off of the Derrick Henry play action, obviously. But then later in the game, they might take that dig route and act like he's going to run a dig, and then he'll break back out on a vertical route. Or the or the corner, or I'm sorry, the corner, the post will break at a post, and then he'll just come back and run post curl because now you're really keeping a defense off balance. And then also you have to worry about Derrick Henry running down your throat. Yeah. I think that's people, people don't realize that if you can have success with play action, you don't need 400 different uh, uh, routes for your wide receivers. You, you just show the defense something different. And then to your point, just uh, do something slightly different and it'll throw them off. I want to talk about Tannehill, though, because, you know, his story is such an interesting story. He goes to college, plays tight end so he can get on the field, um, has one full season, I believe, at Texas A&M as, as a starter, goes to a Miami situation where I think we can all chalk up some of the lack of success there to coaching changes, kind of con- in- inconsistency. Um I don't I'm not surprised that he's having some success. I'm just surprised as to how good he seems to be at this point, Um, because he uh, if not an elite quarterback, he has moved himself into a discussion as one of the guys that, you know, more than half the teams in the NFL would probably love to have him as a quarterback. What are you seeing from Tannehill? How has he improved to this point? Um, Because he has become. We talk all you want about Derrick Henry. Tannehill is also a weapon for that team now. He can win some games for you, in my mind. Well, I think some of it, too, is that one of the – well, you can always chalk it up. It always somehow comes back to Adam Gase when he he was his head coach in Miami, and that that seems to be something that is a trend of uh, underperforming players that go on and and have success after Adam Gase. But, um, well, I (laughs) – Another, true. Un, another he's another the Dan that, Henning of the 2020s. <laughs> <laughs> another another component of, of Tannehill's game is is his athleticism too, where he's able to make plays, second reaction plays. He does not have the biggest arm. 
He is not, you know, going to take a ball and go 95 yards and outrun everybody, but he has athleticism and he can do those things and make plays out of structure. Some of the bootleg stuff, he's good throwing on the run. Again, this is kind of like they have the identity. They know who they are. They don't play out of their structure. They don't try and do anything too much. This is who we are. This is what you're going to get. And we're just going to line up and be, and that's kind of what Tennessee Titans are. And to be quite honest, um, I absolutely love it. There was one play on film that, drives me nuts and all my friends we always talk about it that the fuller touchdowns uh, that houston scored they played a coverage called cover two invert and i it, it needs to be defunded abolished <laughs> ever devised it looks great on a whiteboard you're basically running cover two where you have the two high safeties corners sit in the flats well an invert you're bringing your safety down into the box four run support and your corner is now going back and playing half of the field. So they're just flipping roles. Well, when you have Butler trying to run back and play corner and he doesn't typically play corner or doesn't typically play safety, that's what's going to happen. He lost the receiver and they ended up scoring. So this needs to be a anti cover two podcast. <laughs> now, let me ask you a question with that. Is that because as devised it it's it's a it's a bad coverage or is it because you have to have such specific athletes playing it because it's, you said you, it's just an awkward it's just a different spot for somebody um, when you're used to playing corner and there's and those responsibilities you have one certain kind of vision of what you're looking at what to look for when you are switching the roles like that and especially doing it post snap and trying to react, your reaction time is going to be a little bit slower. So you're taking guys and really putting them out of position by design. So to an offense, I mean, offenses love it because hey, you want to run that, we're just going to run something that your guy can't cover because he's not used to being in that spot. Yeah, it's probably not a good answer to a question when you're a defensive coordinator. Why do you do that? Well, we'd like to put guys out of position by design. I, I can't stand it. I, I don't understand why people still do it, but – all right, I've, I've become a Tennessee fan because because of this segment. I've become a Tennessee fan because uh, I love John. That's that was uh, all my success in Madden back in the day against you and Riley Claremont. Oh, throw deep. Well, it was, but it was. I stuck with my you identity. Threw deep. You just threw deep. No, you threw hail marys I, on every. I point. ran up the middle a lot. I ran up the middle, and then I would, and then I would do slants, and then I would do deeps. And they would, and then I would do the same basic defenses. So Tennessee knows who they are. They have a basic pattern. They stick with that pattern, and it's like you know they're challenging teams to beat them at their at their game. Now and, that said, that's and it. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be a huge massive Tennessee Titan fan from here on out because heretofore, I really, in a very elitist way, dismissed yeah. them. Yeah. Now here's the here's the question though, Derek. Defensively. And obviously yesterday with Houston coming back and, you know, I, I, I do think to Mark's point, sometimes when you have a team that gets a coaching change, it does kind of infuse a little energy into a team. Um, but are defensively, are they good enough to win a yeah, championship? I, I believe so. I think that they they play um, really like all 22 football. They, they play really well off of each other offensively and defensively. And uh, they're, I forget who their defensive coordinator last year was, but he left. Vrabel is taking over. He takes over and does mostly the, the defensive um, calls and, and handles all of that. And they have a great staff with, with guys like Jim Hazlitt, who was a former 
head coach on that staff. And then um, some of those guys are doing great things over there defensively. But yeah, I, I do think they, they do have a, a defense to make a run. Um, and then obviously I think Vrabel, like I, like I was saying, I don't think people give Vrabel enough credit for being such a good coach with time management and schematics and knowing your team. And like I said, the identity and the culture and the buy-in, I, like, like I was saying, alluding to earlier, um, when they ran that 12 guy, 12th guy on the field with three minutes left, Tennessee or Houston's driving, second and one, Vrabel sends a guy out onto the field intentionally to get a penalty. And the guy is all confused. He's like, why are you sending me out here? We got 12 guys here. And then Vrabel sounds like he's mad that they got 12 guys. Well, he did it on purpose because he wanted to save time on the back end and not have to burn a timeout because he figured if Houston scores, fine. We still want to have time on the end. So he basically created another timeout. Stole a timeout by just taking a five-yard penalty on a second and one. So those, and he's done it before. He did it against the Jets, I believe, in 2018. You saw the little time loop that he had with Belichick that had him yeah. lose his mind last year. So I think people don't give him enough credit for the, understanding those kinds of things. Well, and I think it's, you know, we talked about both, I think, Mark, you went to uh, Patriots training camp, well, famously in 2001 when you said they would go 0-19, which is not even possible. You thought they were so bad. We did an entire feature on the Patriots cheerleaders that year because we thought the team was so horrible. Well, um, your dad had anything to do with that. Yes, yeah, your dad had everything, everything to do with that. Absolutely. Everything to do with that. And he still will say it was one of the best features we ever did. Um, but uh, one of the things that was always apparent with the Patriots, and when we would go to these trips, we would get there generally within the first week of uh, training camp. They were practicing things like, I, I think I mentioned this on a show before, knocking the ball out of the back of the end zone on a, on a block punt. It just The attention to detail was greater. You could tell, even guys like us who didn't know that much could tell, the attention to detail was so much greater than some of the other teams that we saw. Um, is that something when you look at Vrabel's team? Because the you know the assistant coaches for Belichick have notoriously really checkered head coaching careers, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm being generous. Uh, but Vrabel, ex player, seems to be to me that that attention to detail is greater for this Tennessee team than it is for the Detroit Lions, uh, the McDaniel's coach teams. Do, do, are you seeing that as well with them? Well, I think the downfall a lot for a lot of coaches that leave the Belichick system is that they try to be Belichick. And you can't you can't walk into a room and demand presence like Belichick without being Bill Belichick. So I think that that's kind of one of the bigger downfalls. You got to be yourself. You got to have your own personality um, in, in what you do. Now you could take some of the being a uh, game situational masters like Sean McVay talks about being a situational master, knowing down and distance, knowing the rules knowing like the one where if you catch a ball and it looks like it's going to go out of bounds on a kickoff, you know how it's a penalty. You can have one foot in, one foot out and catch it, and it'll be a penalty. Those are the little things that, or if it's rolling and you catch it and, and grab it and it, you have one foot out, one foot in, it is you get the penalty. So those are like the little game situation and, and knowing the little ins and outs and knowing the game better than anybody else that I think that you you see that with, with Vrabel's team. Um, but also Vrabel's his own person. He's a player's coach. He's a, he's a guy that you want to go have a beer with, you know? Yeah. Uh, 
So it, you really just got to, especially coaching, you just got to have your own personality because I think players can kind of sniff through it. And if you're trying to be, if you're trying to be somebody you're not, and if you're a, a fraudulent person, um, they'll, 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 they'll sniff that out pretty quickly. Matt Patricia, clearly a fraudulent, fraudulent. person. <laughs> I love fraudulent. that. All right, Derek, thank you very much. I try not to be like my dad while I'm coaching. <laughs> I can't wait to hear your take on the emerging Miami Dolphins defense and the emerging identity of the Miami Dolphins under Brian Flores uh, because I think there's a, a, a lot of folks out there, especially after the Niners take care of the Rams, that mm-hmm. win last week against the 49ers by the Dolphins seems more impressive. It, yeah. it didn't come against a team whose wheels were not falling off at least quite yet. So I think we should talk about the Dolphins coming up. But thank you so much for everything you bring to the table. Derek Abbott, everyone, thanks, Derek. Uh, we'll talk to you soon, bud. Thanks, man. Thank you guys for having me. Let's go to our progressive trivia that we've ignored because Joe Connolly got it right early on. Did he really? Uh, it was? Yeah, wow. he did. I don't understand how this, you know, it, except that we did use this, but we used it back in July. Mm-hmm. Now, Joe Connolly is a very uh, organized, systematic, yeah. detail-oriented person. So it would not surprise me if he had all the list of progressive trivia. Got a file? Might have a file on it. Yes. And, and he, he knows he, quite well. You might mix a couple of them up here and there, but, you know, if he knows most of them, that could, could very well be. This the only thing I changed about this one, John, because I was running so behind, is the date of the title of the progressive. Nothing else has changed. <laughs> oh well, I, I threw this one. I threw that all at you last minute, but it just seemed like if you're going to be booking the show and scheduling it, that you get to do the progressive as well. Just saying. Just saying. fair enough. I have little league and receptions, four plus Pro Bowls, played for four, six head coaches, ten plus playoff catches in a single game. Maybe that was the one that gave it away. Uh, 85-plus starts, 500-plus receptions, never won a Super Bowl, Pro Bowler for two separate teams. How about that? Let's do the next set of clues because we're so far into the show. Uh, We might as well. And a 2014 all-rookie team, 30-plus touchdowns overall. Played with Tyrod Taylor, Damian Williams, went to an SEC school with a very recent national championship. All right. Very getting the Corey Seager uh, treatment there with the very. I know. I know. Dodger fans are very happy, but you're right, John. That was a great question to ask about uh, the Dodgers. And if they do lose the Rays, does this make it does. And I just don't see that happening. I just don't see yeah. that happening. Uh, I wouldn't, bet on, I would not bet on the Rays, but I, I mean, I use this phrase too much. I would be surprised, but I would not be shocked yeah. because as you know, seven game series in baseball, you get a, a, a pitching performance out of somebody you didn't expect. Or you have somebody step up, as Travis Darno did for uh, for Atlanta for a while. Somebody not one of the name players. Uh, and if you're if you're Tampa, it's all not name players. Uh, I thought the uh, there was a funny um, comment somebody had on I believe on Twitter who said, uh, "Yeah, they uh, the Dodgers went out and improved themselves by uh, signing Mookie Betts, and the Rays went out and improved themselves by signing signing Randy Arozarena." Uh, who was a minor leaguer. I remember a Rosarena because he pl- he came to the sports complex against the Braves in spring training a couple of seasons ago, and I had to find out how to pronounce his name. And he was one of those where I had to like dig deep on videos to try to find something about him. But uh, I, I fully expect that the Dodgers will win it, but it is not going to be an easy series. I, I do believe it'll probably go six as well. 
and uh, don't sleep on don't sleep on the Rays either. And the Dodgers, they, history, they were the best team in the American League, Johnny. We, have, we, got the best best in, we got two best teams in baseball. You gotta so like say that. what you want about the sixty game season and the funky playoffs. It put the two best teams in baseball together, and we don't always get that in no, a one hundred sixty two no. game season. Rarely so, get that, actually. Yeah, so it's it's going to be a lot of fun. Switch gears just for a second. Uh, I wanted to talk about college football. I know we're in the uh, potpourri version of our uh, portion well, of our show. College football qualifies as potpourri. Yeah, um, I saw nothing from Trevor Lawrence that made me change my mind that he will be anything other than a bust in the NFL. Uh huh. In the uh, one hundred, they put up seventy three. I think one hundred eighty four. I think it was. I tuned into that game. I tuned in that game was seven seven, and I was like, all righty. Here we go. No, we don't. I have seen nothing in this college football season that tells me that any of the teams that are playing at this point in time, there are two teams that can win a national championship, and that's Alabama and Clemson. And I would probably lean towards Clemson at this point um, because I think Alabama defensively um, may have some issues, though I will say they're going up against a Georgia defense that many considered the best in college football, and I believe they put 41 on them. Georgia not ready for primetime, as usual. They're the Georgia that they generally always are. And uh, Clemson and Alabama, and outside of that, Mark, I don't see any team in college football that's not massively flawed. Yeah, I think you're right. I do. I think you're right. Um, All the talk of expansion. South Carolina playoff, beating Auburn was fun. It, it, uh, it was. Uh, boy, well, tucked in. this year, I'm... Notre Dame did I, not look impressive. No, they didn't, although they're probably, what, number three now at this point in time? Probably, um, yeah. I I want to tell you why the expanded playoffs will help, and it's because of the very reason you suggest it won't. Because the rich are getting richer, and they're yeah. getting richer and getting richer. The divide between the haves and the have-nots I agree with that. is getting more stark. We have a monopoly right now. College football needs to be regulated, and the way it gets regulated is you bring a bunch of other teams into the postseason, and one of those teams is going to pull an upset, and there's going to be some recruiting competition finally, oh, by the way. And that's what we need because yeah. right now it's boring. How many years has it been Alabama Clemson this point in time? It's been a full cycle of 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 a you know a junior a freshman through senior. It's yeah. ridiculous. We need to expand the playoffs, have have a team make a run and actually throw out a wider net with recruiting because right now it's 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 become boring. I just don't I just don't know if the one if you did that and I agree with you if you did that enough you'd have a situation like a George Mason in the in college basketball where he had somebody break into the final four or or you know back to back championship appearances by Butler or but I just don't think if you're if you're not consistently beating Alabama they're still going to out recruit you and it is it is difficult because they do just simply get the best players. We we talked about that. You know, you never you never hear of Alabama being thin on the defensive line. You hear just the other that they have nine guys who would start for any other Division One program. When they had Mike Shula, they were thin on the defensive line. They were, but I mean that was a that that drop off took place over a period of years and also went through a lot of changes in college football. Let's remember that when Bear Bryant was at Alabama, there for many of those years were unlimited scholarships and he could sign guys just to keep them off Auburn's roster, just to keep them from going to Florida. Um, There were a lot of reasons uh, why, uh, why they had the success they did and why they dropped off and it took a while for them to catch up. And certainly yes, with the right coach, but 
I think it's easier for those traditional powers to build up than it is for, you know, at this point, people go, oh, look, you know, Ole Miss is going to get a lot better. Well, Ole Miss has only been relevant since the 1960s, maybe, you know, a handful of seasons at the most. The Archie Manning era, certainly when Eli was there, they had and there might have been a year uh, or so outside of that. But I just I think it's going to take a lot more than just an upset in, in, in an expanded playoff. Well, I, th- I think to your point, John, I mean, I obviously agree with you that the lower echelon schools for them to for them to have any sort of recruiting um, equality with the team with an Alabama is probably a, a fantasy and a pipe dream. But I'm just talking about traditional powers that haven't been traditional powers. USC, you know, Michigan, let's, you know, let Texas how about those teams? How about how about anyone in the Big Twelve? How so much has changed. So much has changed in college football because you know the, the the problems with the Texases and the Michigans of the world now is not only are they getting out, you know, they're getting out recruited by Ohio State and Alabama and Clemson, but they're also losing out to some of the teams that are lower on the scale at, traditionally. Um, because those guys now realize they can go to some of these smaller schools and show up on television 10 times a year and still get to the NFL. So it's kind of, there, there's that sort of netherworld for the Michigans and the Notre Dames of the world, which are uh, more difficult academically. I mean, I think we, we, we do agree with that, that they are a little more difficult academically um, and just haven't had... Um, the right amount of success over the last decade or so. It's a, it's an ever-changing landscape. I don't think there's one answer to all of it uh, other than Nick Saban retiring at Alabama. Sometimes you just get the right guy in the right place at the well, right time. And, I mean, it may all come down to that because the Mike DeBoses, De uh, the DeBoses Mike De, of the Mike DuBose. E- even Gene Stallings. There, there was one national championship between Bear Bryant and, and Nick Saban, and that was Gene, Gene Stallings. Stallings in 1992. Yeah. So you you have the Mike Shulas, you have the Dennis Franchiones, you have uh, the Ray Perkins of the world. You know, I, you're right. Bill when Curry you get co- with, with, and Bill Curry as well. When you get the and none of them won a, none of them won a national championship except Gene Stallings once. Right, and you get a guy like Nick Saban in there with Alabama, then yeah, it's going to be a juggernaut. If that's why a guy like Pete Carroll gets into USC and can right. turn them around. Uh, a guy like Urban Meyer gets into Ohio State, and all of a sudden they're an every-year playoff and, kind of team. But but it has recently, John, and you have to admit, it's it's been it's been three or four teams every year. It's worse than the yeah. NBA. It's I, worse I than think, any other sports I've ever seen ever in my life. I, th- I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that when you have a Nick Saban coming into your living room recruiting you or one of his guys, he can say, you will be playing for a national championship every right. year you're at Alabama, where if you're a guy from Tennessee or Michigan, you don't have as much of, a, of, of an ability to say that. But if you expanded the playoffs, they probably would be able to open that up a little bit more. To, you'll have an opportunity to play for a national championship at Tennessee because of the fact that we can go in there and win one of those games. Maybe, maybe right. I st- it's still, you know, I, 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 I'm dubious as to how much effect it would have on an Alabama or a Clemson. Cause I just think right team, right coach, right time. Now they True. may get to the True. point where 
you know, Steve Spurrier at Florida had that, that great deal of success and then got to the point where he just got tired of getting criticism on a nine win season and playing for the SEC championship and losing it. You know, that you could see some of that happen. The, the, the issue with, and a lot of times you'll lose your coach to the NFL. I, I don't think, uh, 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 Saban will, would go back to the NFL. He's too old. Um, and he didn't have a very good time when he was there. Right. Uh, I don't think Dabo. Dabo doesn't strike me as a collegiate guy. He strike, strikes me more as an NFL guy. But the problem with some of those other programs, even even the Michigans of the world, the Penn States of the world, is that, to your point, Mark, USC, if they decided, could throw so much money at a head coach there that they basically – upset the apple cart for that school and now they're in a rebuilding with a new coach and expectations are so high i think that's the problem with usc i think pete carroll set the expectations higher than they really should have been for usc because if they look back even in the john robinson era um they weren't competing for national championship every year uh it's it's difficult i don't know how you get out of it but i agree with you college football is my favorite sport but my least favorite part of it is um the national championship race because I find it generally boring. Yeah. It's too bad. I mean, right, you know, you gotta, you, you have to hope for the, the, the big upset. And to, to Jeff's point, if you go to Alabama and you play four years, maybe one of those years you get upset by somebody. Yeah. And, seriously. and on a, on and on a every recruiting year, you have a chance to win a national championship. Yeah. And on a recruiting level, they lost a national championship to a kid that left them because there was no way for him to play at quarterback. I mean, they're getting these, these blue chip athletes on a regular basis because he's going into those living rooms and saying, you're going to play for a national championship. And Oh, by the way, then your quarterback who now gets beat out by a younger quarterback goes and plays for another team and they get to the national championship. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's this incestuous thing that um, they have take, they've taken up a lot of the air in college football. And while it's good for, you know, I, I do agree that dynasties are good in college football to an extent. I think this one is now hurting the product in the larger sense. Maybe we get rid of that rule where you have to wait a year to transfer. Now I know. Well, that I that, think you should do that too. I please. I, I hate do that rule. Yes. It's, it's, a, you, it's a ridiculous rule. Do you think that, do you think though that the Alabama dynasty is as big a problem as the fact that it seems to be like six teams every year that seem to be vying for this four team playoff? I, it, it just, that's what really bothers me is that it seems like it's the same guys all the time. Well, yeah, them, I yeah, mean, more than ever. Alabama is the worst of the offenders, <laughs> if that's what you want to call it. But, but yeah, yeah, yeah. State, Alabama, become, uh, yeah, yeah, and and and, and frankly. Yeah, right. Yeah, Standard Oil. That's right. Uh, Harriman and Sons. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah that, Bell, that telephone. Right. It's uh, it, it's not just Alabama. It's Alabama. It's Ohio State. It's Clemson, and certainly they get credit for what they've done. To your point, Mark, it took Alabama a long time to find the right coach. Um, but it's uh, it, it has you know my again my interest in the national championship is. is diminished yeah, by the fact that I know three of the four teams every year that are going to be in that, in that mix. And we've even seen it in years where, you know, they've been upset. They still climb back in the mix because they're so highly regarded and so highly ranked at the beginning of the season 
that they almost have to lose two games yeah. to be out of it. Whereas if you're, you know, a team that comes in at 11 yeah. and you win nine in a row, well, the minute you lose one, you're going to drop out of the, out of the mix. Yeah. It's my, it's Miami going down six when they lose to, when they lose to Clemson who, Oh, by the way, could be an all world team this year. Mm-hmm. I don't know what Georgia fell to after they lost to number two, Alabama. Did they fall to what? Six or seven. They didn't fall six po- spots, did they? No, I, I don't think they fall. If I didn't, so I didn't actually check it, them. It's that same thing, and 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 that just bugs the heck out of me as well about college football. All right, uh, let's go to our progressive trivia. Let's give the answer, even though Joe Connolly got it very early, <laughs> inexplicably. First set of clues for progressive. Yeah, that, that was my bad. I I switched okay. over without putting it up there. I have led the lead in receptions, four-plus Pro Bowls, played for six head coaches. Go ahead, and Joe, and Joe, and tell us how you got it right. Uh, Ten-plus playoff catches in a single game. <laughs> 85. No, I'm serious. I'm serious when I ask that. I literally want to know how you got it right. I know. You're, it's, it means a lot to you. It does. 85-plus starts, 500-plus receptions, never won a Super Bowl. Pro Bowler for two separate teams. Uh, the Dolphins and the Browns, I believe, 2014 All Rookie Team, 30 plus TDs, played with Tyrod Taylor, Damian Williams, went to an SEC school, the very recent national championship. That's Louisiana State University. Jarvis Landry, is who we're looking for. I am Jarvis Landry. All right, very nice. We did, you know, uh, I'm because anticlimactic, we, man. Just we. Like, uh, man. And we we focused on you know so many specific things. We we did miss out on some some really really interesting stuff uh, in college football. Uh, you know it, this is such a weird weird year to to the to the point that we were talking about where there's two or three teams probably are all that can be in really the mix to win it all. But uh, boy, every time a team gets any love, they just clam. Yeah, they ju- Tennessee. Remember a couple of weeks ago we oh, yeah. thought you know. Hey, now now they get beat by Kentucky the first time in Kentucky since I believe Kentucky became a state. Uh, it's just you know yeah, Kentucky. How about that, man? That it's, was a big win for them. Well, in Kentucky, if you remember, you know, a year or two within the last couple of seasons, we keep yeah. hearing about Kentucky and oh, they're on the right move, and then they they'll go out and they'll lose by twenty to Vanderbilt or something, but then they'll pull the upset. All of college football looks like the Pac-12 right now, with the exception. Of Clemson and Alabama. and Alabama, I know I it know. does. It looks like it. And now, what well, we may have and this that's year, Mark fun, John, that's fun. It is fun. Unfortunately, I think everybody's going to lose at the same interval. That at the end of the year, we're going to have Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and pick them because the 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 Big Twelve became the Pac twelve. Georgia, perhaps again, it, maybe Georgia, Notre Dame, maybe Florida, Notre Dame. Notre Dame's a possibility, certainly, though I tell you, they did not impress uh, on they, Saturday at all. They, they have haven't played play good Clemson. teams. They have to play yeah. Clemson, too. And Miami, can, I think. And can they... Now, if they get through, they could lose to Clemson and then maybe play... I don't know which division they're in in the ACC. Would they go back and play them again? Because Georgia could... I think they play the winner of the two divisions. They just get this extra special treatment where they play... They have a bye, and they're at the ACC championship game, and then whoever wins that plays Notre Dame. That would, yeah, man, that would just, couldn't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That's 2020. You could see that, couldn't you? You could see that. That's 2020. Hell, why not? Why even even do that? Just whoever wins the national championship game then has to play Notre Dame for the super national championship. Well, right. They're just waiting the wings. 
They just whoever wins get the rest of the season off, and they could just sit there. It makes me angry. But this really, this you know, the problem with this, Mark, though, is what we're going to have is we're going to have you know a two-loss Georgia team in there, a two-loss Florida team, uh, uh, you know, uh, maybe a Michigan with a couple of losses. It's going to be all still the same people in the mix. They're just going to be one loss worse because it's 2020, and that's the way it's worked out. We're not going to get anybody new. You know, it's not like, I don't know, pick some Cincinnati's going to climb their way into it, by the way, having a good year. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I, I could be, remember the question the other day about was something you could be, uh, you, you're convinced of, you could be changed on? College football is my favorite sport. You might be able to change my mind. Wow. That's a biggie. That's it's a tough this guy. year. It's tough this year because I don't have those late Pac-12 games to watch or Big Sky Conference or whatever it is. You know, right around eleven thirty when my wife goes to bed now on Saturday, and I'm like, "All right, here we go. Pour yourself a single malt and enjoy, enjoy the Pac-12 feasting on each other." And 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 it's over now. There's no, you know, eleven thirty oh, at night. The games later. are. The games are done. Will I, though? They'll start after after Thanksgiving. I think there's going to be four Pac-12 games. <laughs> Great Sports Illustrated. Great Sports Illustrated story about how they're going. They may have to change their COVID protocols because the contact tracing and the 14 day um, uh, quarantining of people who are named in this contract tracing, making it very, very difficult on college football because they laid out. You know, we saw Florida had like 20 cases, including Dan Mullen. What they're finding, though, is a lot of these guys who are quarantined with the contract tracing, none of them are coming down with it. Yet they're having to sit out a couple of weeks. So Sports Illustrated, check out their uh, their article. It's very difficult because, as we talked about, so many moving pieces because you have state rules, federal rules. You have rules that the, the conferences have made up. Um, but they are they're teetering a little bit. I wouldn't say the dominoes, though. I think I've sent you a couple of those recently. They're teetering a little bit with uh, having to cancel games, and they do have that almost the whole month of December to make them up. They but, do. Uh, there should they they should be able to be more agile than the NFL because they have all those weeks. Yeah. So I I think they're going to be fine. I I mean I everyone's doing their best, and it's you know just, they're, not everybody's going to play the same amount of games. No, and that's not everybody for sure. who's in the playoff may play the have played the same. No, that's game. for sure. Uh, I don't think the Pac-12 will qualify regardless of you know that this will be the season where there's an undefeated Pac-12 team and they can't be part of the playoffs because they haven't played enough games. I think you need seven, and I think the Pac-12 is only going to get to six. I think the uh, Big Ten is going to get to eight, and I think seven is the minimum. I read that somewhere. I don't know where that uh, is from. Uh, by the way, Joe Connolly mentions ACC. No divisions. It's just two best teams go out. Okay, it. I now I remember that. Yeah, at the end of at the end of the season, and that very well could be Miami and Clemson as opposed to Notre Dame and Clemson. Uh, we'll see about that. So that really, in a way, John makes that Notre Dame Miami game even more uh, important because it'll it'll uh, the winner gets the right to get annihilated by Clemson. Yeah, yeah. Now that North Carolina has been exposed uh, by at, Florida you know. State for who, who did everything they could to lose that game. By the way. And, and you know, thing they could. We talked about this. I think Jeff, I would in one of the shows recently. We talked about they're still good athletes at Florida State. They still get a lot of really good football players. And though you know all the coaching changes over the last couple of years, I think those kids are up against it. But I think what we saw was that's still a talented football team. And uh, feel bad for Mac Brown and the Tar Heels because they climbed up to number four and. 
somebody made a mistake of mentioning them on a pregame show. You know, North Carolina might be. No, no. Yeah, that's it. And of course, they were dancing around at Florida State. It was the it was the uh, it was the all cap Seeger to cut it to a four run deficit at, in Tallahassee. They're all jumping up and down like they'd won the national championship. Jeez, remember, remember, remember a time when it was expected to beat North Carolina. And if you didn't beat them by 30 people left, you know, people were leaving. Yeah. How times have changed. They have. All right. Well, we want to thank all of our guests of the show. Russ Ayers, Brian Iscari, chief of the fire, Tom Marino, Nico Ayers, Russ's kid, uh, Derek Abbott as well comes in and some great analysis on the Titans and on the Packers. And uh, we could talk to and, him all day. And on cover two inverted, apparently constitutional oh, no, amendment doing away with cover. Amy Comey Barrett, what are your feelings about the cover two inverted? Cause really there needs to be a constitutional amendment. You know, like it's, it. it's become the playing for, for Derek. It's like playing prevent. It's like the prevent defense, which we all lose our mind over. Wouldn't but, that uh, be, a nice salve for, I don't know, seven seconds in the midst of our bitterly divided nation. If a senator, a Democrat, maybe says, uh, Ms. Barrett, I'm concerned about a lot of your positions on some of these issues. But what really concerns me is the inverted uh, cover two. Cover two. Uh, your thoughts. She's a Notre Dame professor, so she may have she may have some ideas about it. So I tell you, you right now. I all just ask one question, uh, ma'am. How do you feel about the designated hitter? She could win me over. <laughs> do you think college football has become too monopolistic? Yes, I do. Johnny is in. Johnny's back in. I'm in. Destroy everyone else's civil rights. I don't care. Do away with this. You've made college football boring for me. My God, I never, I never thought that was possible. And of course, it's yeah, Alabama and South right Carolina, away, and gentlemen. And, and of course, it's Alabama yeah, and South Carolina, Carolina ruining my life. Good Lord. You know what? You don't want to yeah. add D.C. as a state and Puerto Rico. You only want 50 stars. Here's my idea. Get rid of South Carolina and Alabama and bring D.C. and Puerto Rico in. 50 stars. Don't have to don't have to reconfigure the stars. Come on. So, so South Carolina would just be folded into North Carolina and Alabama would just be folded into Mississippi. I just wall them off. <laughs> Wall them off and Lord of Flies. Wow. That's it. That's what I want. I tell you, what I do is I build a wall around both of them and let them just devour each other till there's not another living thing in either of those godforsaken places. And you have been listening to After Further Review with John Pelkey, Jeff Taylor, Mark Ferrer. We'll talk to you soon.